The Convention Collective Sandbox. At Emerald City Comic Con 2019. Hi, this is Dan. I'm here at Emerald City Comic Con with Magdalene Visaggio. Talk about some of the books that she's working on right now. I know right now she's doing Morning in America from Oni Press as well as Calamity Kate. So in both Calamity Kate and Morning America, you create a lot of characters who are classically antagonistic. What draws you to putting those traits to the forefront of your stories? And who are some of the antagonists who inspire you? I don't really think of them as antagonistic characters as much as... Um, kind of hostile characters. So I don't think it's quite the same thing. So like what really interests me <clears throat> um, is writing screw ups and failures and people who have a lot of the a lot of the same like shitty personality traits that I have. Um, people who are brash, aggressive, who don't think before they act to leap before leap before they look. That's something that like really really fascinates me is 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 that like just sort of running into a problem instead of carefully considering how to, how to solve it. The thing I've been doing with a lot of my writing is, you know, uh, you know, since Kim and Kim is, you know, writing like broken people who aren't dealing with problems well, which is uh, the sort of the, the common thread that connects uh, Kate Strand and Calamity Kate, and uh, especially Nancy Salazar in Morning in America, is that they're both coming from really terrible home situations and responding to them in self-destructive ways. I'm a very self-destructive person, you know. I, I, Eternity Girl was just a whole book about my <laughs> history with suicidality told through a superheroic lens. Um, and so I, a lot of it's just kind of like ways for me to explore those impulses in my life as well as like my own problematic youth where I've made a bunch of terrible, terrible very unwise decisions not even like fun terrible unwise decisions like yeah I did a lot of drugs you know and I regretted it later no I just made bad choices that negatively impacted my life because I didn't have the ability to think far enough ahead to avoid consequences to like think well how is this going to hurt me and so in Calamity Kate Kate's whole thing is that she's on the run from her divorce and when I came up with that book when I was writing that book I was you know dealing with my divorce and all the forms of what I call creative self-destruction that I uh, was thinking about doing for myself, I put those on Kate. Like, Kate, make those bad decisions for me so that I could avoid them. <laughs> so, I could, so I could get, like, live vicariously through her, but also because I, I like to think that... I try to be a pretty thorough writer, so I also kind of force myself to confront consequences and problems that could arise from those things to just kind of accept that maybe self-destruction isn't a super helpful thing. <laughs> and so I guess because I like to write a lot of failures, I kind of gravitate towards being self-destructive because that's how that kind of stuff has manifested in my life to a degree. Okay. So I guess I'm just, I'm just kind of fascinated with people sort of running into oblivion. <laughs> <clears throat> now, in Morning America, um, the, the title is seen in the 80s. What is the appeal of the 80s when it comes to horror and monsters, even serial killers, and why, and why did you choose that period to place the story? Well, I can't speak to the larger cultural fascination with that period for serial killers and monsters. Um, I have theories. Um, the show, that's when the serial killer was became in the 70s and 80s became like such an emblematic figure um and so it's it's uh, a natural place to set that 
Um, it's also a little bit of lazy writing because I'm not knocking anyone. It's a fun strategy <laughs> to because you get to avoid a lot of like the technical things that would make it harder for those kinds of figures to exist in the modern day. Like we don't even really have serial killers to that much of an extent anymore. That was like a thing that happened in history. Right. For me, the appeal of those eras is is complicated. Um, Morning in America is set in 1983, which is the year before I was born. I was born pretty late in 84, so I I have no contact with that world. <laughs> the 80s to me feel like this weird foreign country that I visited when I was very young. And so I'm always trying to kind of make sense of my own relationship to that time period um, and kind of like explore what were, for me, extremely formative years that I barely remember. Okay. Um, beyond that, in terms of why I think it works in Morning in America in particular, because I'm doing a, bu- a number of things within sort of that are sort of hitting different aspects of the 80s. But for Morning in America, I uh, wanted to do a story that I thought could comment on what's happening now while by, you know, without dealing with the baggage of modern day politics. Okay. So like Morning in America is set in a very particular moment in history, conservative administration, everyone's terrified at the end of the world, <laughs> you know, like to me that like feels like now, you know, and there's a sense of powerlessness that we all have facing the world. That, like, there's just, like, the climate change. There's nothing... I can't fix it. What am I going to do? You know, like, the, the, the problem is so massive and requires such massive action. Me recycling more isn't even going to make a fucking dent. Right. You know, if I ran off and lived into the woods, I wouldn't fix anything. It would just make my life suck. <laughs> <clears throat> and so I wanted to explore the powerless feeling of being a kid faced with a massive, you know, undefinable problem, you know? And so to me, the era encapsulated like that feeling of helplessness and so to me it just like made a lot of sense that for that for the kind of story i wanted to tell now kate and calamity kate is a bit of a lone wolf while in morning america it's more of a crew or more of an ensemble book a team of good friends what are your favorite what are some of your favorite and least favorite things about writing a more solo story versus an ensemble my favorite thing is to write is duos <laughs> i love writing two people bouncing off each other you know kim and kim quantum genes are go both deal with a lot with that. You run into that with uh, <clears throat> even my Transformers uh, versus Visionaries. I love the one, the one-on-one. And so both of these are departures for me from the kind of things I naturally gravitate to. So for me, a lot of it was, was just kind of experimental. I haven't done a lot of stuff with larger groups. I haven't done a lot of stuff with a solo protagonist, and I kind of wanted to stretch my legs. In terms of like the, the, the strengths or the challenges of, of each, so I look at like with protagonists, like solo protagonists, it's a matter of, well, how do I f- make them front and center while still building this world around them that elevates them? And with teams, with the Six Sisters in, in, in Morning in America, the whole thing was, well, how do I give everybody the necessary screen time? And so I ended up in Morning America very much focusing on one character to a degree. And so the rest of it becomes our supporting cast. It's, it's a tough line to walk. And it's one that I'm still working on as a writer. <laughs> <clears throat> we're also really excited for Calamity Kate, which also leans nicely in the horror and monsters genre, but this one's more contemporary. What is about L.A. which feeds into the bizarre and supernatural? Can't, can it be all the golf clubs, can it? I actually have no idea. I, I just love L.A., ah. and I just had the impulse to, uh, you know, I've done a couple of books set in L.A., like um, Quantum Teens or Go is set in L.A. This one in particular is so after my divorce, I looked at my bank account 
And I was like, I could just leave my apartment and move to California and leave my ex-wife 3,000 miles behind me and leave all my problems 3,000 miles behind me. And so instead of doing that, Kate did it. Uh, so which ties back into what you were talking about yeah. earlier. Yeah. So Kate's me giving into that impulse of completely reinventing my life and who I am and moving west because that's what you do when you you know are trying to escape something is you go west <laughs> until eventually there ain't no further west to go and that's how everyone ends up in Los Angeles now the action in Calamity Kate starts on page one um, but in the world the world building in the book is teasing a much larger world how much have you got planned and how many volumes have you already mapped out um, I don't like to get ahead of myself. My focus is always on making sure that the story that I'm telling is a good story. Um, I have no idea if there will be future volumes of the book. And so for me, what's really important is making the four issues of the mini that we have right now the best story they can be. That's what's exciting to me. And so I had a story, I, don't, I, I, can't, I had a, a vision for a very contained story for four issues in which the world building, the, the mythology of it is so secondary. Like it's beyond secondary to the emotional journey that Kate's on as she yes. sort of like crash lands. As the one thing she's good at, the one thing that makes her feel like this all has been worth it, like this her whole life wasn't a waste because her marriage failed, she had dead end jobs, and she, she put off what she wanted to do, which was be a monster hunter for years and years and years and years and years while she got married. Her marriage falls apart. She's heads west, and she's the best. And then suddenly this lady, Javelin, shows up who's better at it than her. And what's she supposed to do? The one thing that made her feel meaningful has been, which, you know, she wanted to be the best monster hunter, has been ripped away from her by this other lady who's better than her. And that's what's important about the book. And so... I do have kind of a vague idea, like if we get to do more. I, I, I know what I, I roughly want to do next. Okay. But comics, it's hard to plan that far ahead <laughs> if, you don't have, if you're not writing like X-Men or something. You know, this is a new property. It's a new, new characters. It has to be discovered. I'm not going to assume we're going to get more than four issues. And so I want those four issues to be the best they can be. Got it. And what titles are you currently reading? Oh, God, I... My pull is like 27 books. Okay. Don't ask me that. <laughs> Sorry. What are your favorite books that you're reading right now? Okay. How about um, that? Wictive, Squirrel Girl, um, Ice Cream Man is incredible. Um, I got to read uh, an advanced copy of Going to the Chapel uh, by David Pepos. I'm not sure who's putting that out, but that's fantastic. Um, Die is super great. I love anything Kieran touches. Okay. Um, I'm loving the new Ms. Marvel. I'm loving Young Justice. Um, I'm not reading as much indie stuff these days, and I'm trying to sort of get back into that because there's so much exciting work. And uh, I started doing more big two work, and I decided, well, I should, like, get a better sense of what's going on with the, these universes because I've always been, like, a niche comic reader. Okay. Even in the big two, I've always read the weird things. Like, my favorite Marvel titles are, like, New Warriors and Spider-Girl. And so I'm like, okay, well, I should read, like, Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman, which was never the kind of comic book <laughs> I was. And so that's, like, dominating my reading right now. Um, I love G. Willow Wilson's Wonder Woman. I'm loving Bendis' Superman so, so, so much. Dan Slott's Iron Man is fantastic. Um, there's so much fun there. Um, God, where are you, what else? What else do you even say? There's, there's so much incredible work being done. It's really exciting to be a comics reader. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, there's so many good titles out and new ones come out all the time. I think probably my favorite book on the shelves, the one that I probably look forward to the most is Ice Cream Man, because I don't know what the fuck it's doing. It's such an exciting, weird, troubling, disturbing book that is 
constantly changing directions and challenging me as a writer. And I'm, I'm, I'm so wowed by everything going on in it. And uh, just wrapped up a little bit ago, Youth and Oats by Teeny Howard okay. is, is uh, an indescribable gem of a comic. And any last words you'd like to tell our listeners? Um, Donald Trump is a fascist. Thank you for your time. <laughs>